All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Hello, America, and happy Thursday. A busy Thursday already. A lot going on in the world today. Just a short while ago, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin issued the first version of his Pentagon's after-action report on the bungled withdrawal from Afghanistan. Now, many people won't be surprised. They try to put a lot of blame on the prior president and President Trump and his Pentagon. That isn't going to fly with a lot of people because Donald Trump was nowhere near the flight stick when the decisions were made, like giving Bagram back, like failing to evacuate Americans and our closest allies in Afghanistan that were in danger of being killed by the Taliban, yielding to the Taliban so quickly. I mean, the Taliban overran that country after 20 years of what we had built and invested in it with such speed. It was an insult to every American taxpayer, to every American serviceman. But there are some shreds of learning in this report. And we have a great opportunity at the top of the show today. Congressman Eli Crane, a former Navy SEAL, now a freshman congressman from Arizona 2nd Congressional District. He's going to join us. We're going to get his reaction to the report and the larger picture of what we're seeing in America these last few weeks where China seems to be rolling up the world stage and America is shrinking from it under Joe Biden. In fact, there was more action on the foreign policy front in Congress this week with Kevin McCarthy rallying Republicans and Democrats alike to welcome the Taiwanese president than there was in the White House or in the State Department or in the diplomatic corps led by President Joe Biden and Anthony Blinken. So Eli Crane's going to be at the top end, and then we're going to turn in the second part of the show to a good friend who has done so much over the years for the Second Amendment, Willis Lee, Lieutenant Colonel, retired from the U.S. Army, first vice president of the NRA, one of the Second Amendment's largest champions. We're going to talk about all the victories racked up in the Second Amendment realm, 26 states are now constitutional carry states. That is a two-year movement of extraordinary speed. More than half the country now lives in a state where constitutional carry is the law. That's pretty extraordinary. Pretty extraordinary moment to think about. And another one's right around the bend. A lot of people think Nebraska will follow right behind Florida, which, of course, just got into the game this week. Lots of 
important developments on that front. And Willis Lee will bring us up to speed. And by the way, the NRA's big meeting, its annual meeting next week in Indianapolis. There's always news that comes out of that. We'll talk about some of the big litigation cases there, including some odd bedfellows. You ready for this? The NRA is teaming with, I got to whisper it like that, Joe Biden. ACLU. That's right. The American Civil Liberties Union agrees with the NRA that New York's effort to use its regulatory powers to get banks not to play ball with the NRA, well, it's a violation of the First Amendment. The ACLU, an icon of the left, the NRA, an icon of the right, teaming together to fight for a freedom that no matter what side of the political aisle should matter to you. The First Amendment, we're going to talk to Willis about that as well. All right, now let me go back to the top of the news that I just mentioned to you. Two big developments. I want to focus on the Afghanistan development just for a second more. There are things that are interesting and things that are perplexing about it. Listen, not a lot of people are going to buy Donald Trump's responsible for a withdrawal that happened eight months after him, right? That That isn't going to fly with a lot of people, including the Republicans in Congress. But in the 12-page summary, there is a pretty significant acknowledgement that the Biden administration failed to get things right. That's actually the words here. Clearly, we didn't get things right here with Afghanistan, with how fast the Taliban was moving across the country. That's John Kirby acknowledging the obvious, right? But for a long time, this administration has tried to argue that it was done right. Nothing to be ashamed of. Today, they acknowledge two things. They didn't get things right. And the biggest thing they failed to do was to prioritize evacuations of people, Americans, those allied with Americans who the Taliban were clearly going to kill or persecute quick enough. And that is one of the biggest mistakes that they acknowledge today. We need to learn to prioritize earlier evacuations when faced with a degraded security situation, the report said. That's an obvious thing, but for a long time, that wouldn't be uttered. And if you can't utter it, you can't address it. I do think that's important. Now, there's one other thing I want to do. I don't want to pick on John Kirby. He served his country for a long time, but he's a spinmeister now. He's no longer an admiral. He said something that I think is interesting. This after-action report isn't about accountability. It's about understanding. Now, I do think understanding is important, but one of the things that's never happened in Afghanistan is the accountability. And this administration seems to have an allergy to accountability. And I think uh, while this report does identify some failures that we can learn from and make better, it doesn't punish anyone. Punishment is there for a reason, to encourage better behavior, to encourage better unity, to encourage better performance. And one of the lasting legacies of the bungled Afghan withdrawal is that nobody really paid a price for it. There was no punishment. You lose a football game, you drop in the standings. Maybe you get replaced as a coach when you have a losing season. None of that happened here. And without accountability, I think the future of all of our agencies, including the Pentagon, they're able to pat themselves on the back or not feel or recognize when they let the American people, whom they all serve, down as they did so enormously in Afghanistan and more recently in the China spy balloon, where we also have gotten a false story that now is unraveling as I talked to you yesterday. I want to say something about that. The lack of urgency that the Pentagon exhibited when this balloon traversed the United States, the uncertainty, the false cover story afterwards that it really wasn't collecting intelligence, it was all BS. And that's not the Pentagon. That's not the military that the United States has predominantly shown for the last 246 years beginning with beating the much larger and much larger resourced British Army during the Revolutionary War, again in 1812, what we accomplished in World War I, World War II, the new Iraq wars in Afghanistan, from 
the Afghan withdrawal through the China balloon, we see this consistent failure of security leadership, intelligence leadership, and of course, military leadership. And I think that those words that Kirby uttered, that a lot of people aren't going to pick on tomorrow, but I am. This document isn't about accountability. The question is, when will there ever be something about accountability? When will someone lose a job? When will someone be demoted? When will somebody be prosecuted for a real crime? We haven't been able to see that time in and time again. And I think that is what frustrates people more than anything else in this recent cycle of failures in America. Secondly, one more thing that, well, before we go, sorry, we broke here first at Just the News about, oh, I don't know, six, seven, eight hours ago. Very proud to have done it. Jim Jordan dropped a subpoena today. That's right. In a big way, dropped a subpoena. He subpoenaed a top prosecutor who had tried very hard to force the Manhattan District Attorney's Office to go after Donald Trump. That guy actually left, wrote a book, which a lot of people think maybe violated a lot of the ethics rules for prosecutors blabbing about cases where no one was charged. Very important thing. But today, Jim Jordan, the House Judiciary Committee, dropped a big subpoena. It's a big one. It goes to Mark Pomerantz, a former special assistant district attorney. And it is the backdoor by which the House Judiciary Committee can extract a lot of the real story what Alvin Bragg does, even if Alvin Bragg continues to try to say, I'm not going to cooperate. I'm going to hide behind the ongoing investigation. Pomerantz doesn't have that capability. And I think there's a lot there that can be mined from him and a lot of unlikelihood that he'll be protected by the courts. So a big development there, a little bit of dose of accountability. All right, let's get to our guest. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, Congressman Eli Crane, former Navy SEAL, true American patriot. He's going to join us at the top of the hour. And then after that, another American patriot and a great champion of the Second Amendment, Willis Lee. We're going to get to speed on all the major victories in the Second Amendment realm, right up to Florida's approval yesterday as the 26th state to approve constitutional carry in the United States. We'll have all that right after the commercial break. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. 
You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title and your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. So much has been going on in the world stage in the last few weeks. Very little of it involving constructive United States engagement. Rare exception yesterday when Congress, in a bipartisan fashion led by Speaker Kevin McCarthy, greeted the Taiwanese president and made clear that America stands behind Taiwan, even though the White House's responses have been much more muted. With all of that in mind and all of the issues that are before us, including the Afghanistan review I mentioned at the top of the hour, I thought it'd be a great opportunity to bring in one of the newest members of Congress, but also a member who knows a lot about national security. He served in uniform as a Navy SEAL, a tremendous hero, and now a Republican congressman from the greatest state of Arizona. Joining us right now, Congressman Eli Crane. Congressman, great to have you back on the show. Hey, John, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Oh, it's great. You're such an important voice and you're making such a difference in just a short time here. As you step back and you look at the last few weeks, China makes a deal with Saudi Arabia. China brokers a peace deal with Saudi Arabia and Iran. China's working with Macron to maybe create a solution for Ukraine and Russia. The Ukrainian president says he's even open to a Chinese solution. It seems as though the shining beacon on the hill in foreign policy for the last century has been AWOL. America's spot on the stage feels a lot smaller since Joe Biden came in. Am I being unfair? I don't think so, John. And I think it's something that many of us have been, you know, talking about and screaming about for a long time, trying to be canaries, um, you know, in, in the in the mine shaft, if you will. And I think this is what happens um, in the in the absence of lead, real leadership. Um, there's always a vacuum that's created and obviously China and others are stepping in to fill that. And it's very, uh, it's very concerning for those of us that love this country have lost, you know, close friends, uh, in the service of this country. And those of us that, you know, are trying to raise, uh, kids and grandkids here. Yeah, that's it. We're fighting for future, for our future generations and, and making sure we hand them a country that was as good as when we inherited it. And I think that's so, so important. There is a great moment yesterday where the Taiwanese president meets in Congress with a bipartisan group of Republicans. It seems like Kevin McCarthy has been able to engage Democrats, particularly on the China issue, in a constructive way. And that's something that couldn't happen under Nancy Pelosi. She had her thumb on the Democratic caucus. Are you surprised by how many times Democrats in the very early days have crossed over and said, you know, we stand with Republicans and where they are in China right now? You know, I've actually been very surprised, John. We actually had a uh, committee hearing in Homeland Security a couple weeks ago, and I was really surprised that even my Democratic colleagues, um, you know, and some of the questioning um, they had for some of our witnesses, um, they were also concerned with China, its rise. Um, And so it's really rare to see um, any agreement on Capitol Hill, um, especially bipartisan in nature. But that is one area I've been surprised to see Democrats and Republicans both seemingly to, you know, understanding the threat that China has become. Um, and, and I really hope that concern turns into action so that um, we, 
you know, can stop some of what they're doing in this country because it is very alarming. And as, as we all know, those of us that actually pay attention to China, what their leaders, leaders say, um, and, and their, their strategy, you know, they do want to topple the United States and the West as, you know, the global superpower. And I'm afraid that if we don't, um, change, you know, course with some of the, uh, you know, some of our policy, I, I believe they're going to achieve that goal. And so it is a very real threat and we need to take it very seriously. Another place where I think Democrats have been crossing over and, and engaging Republicans is in acknowledging that the way Joe Biden withdrew from Afghanistan not only dishonored the country and all of the brave men and women who served there, many who gave their lives there, but also in the strategic failures of withdrawing. And today there's an interesting mixed report. The Biden administration tries to shift some of the blame to its predecessor, though all of the withdrawal operations occurred on Joe Biden's watch. But it did say this. It said we failed to evacuate people quicker when we saw a degrading security situation. We need to learn from that. The effort to blame it on Trump doesn't make any sense. He wasn't he didn't have his hand on the stick anywhere near the time of the withdrawal. But the idea that maybe there's some learning lessons that the Pentagon can have from this that we can take into future conflicts. Early, early thoughts on the review. Well, I think it, you know, we used to have a saying in the military, John, um, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And, uh, you know, when you elect, uh, and this is going to probably come off as very offensive, but, uh, you know, a guy that really doesn't know where he is half the time, um, who's been a career politician his whole life, um, you know, I think it's pretty clear that he didn't even listen to many of his commanders on the ground um, in that situation. And it just goes to show, I mean, I, I put, a, I, I put the uh, responsibility on a lot of people that voted for a guy that, you know, was clearly compromised, not only by the Chinese, um, but others as well. Didn't know where he was at the time, like I've mentioned, and, you know, was uh, all about serving himself. And so this is what we get when, you know, when we put leaders in office, I mean, look, we're always going to have, ideological difference between Democrats and Republicans. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to challenge my Democratic colleagues and even, you know, some of my friends that, you know, vote the other the opposite way than I do. Hey, if we're going to if, if you're going to champion somebody and put them out front, let's at least make sure that they're coherent. They know what they're doing um, and hopefully not a career politician and have a little bit of common sense because it's clearer and clearer every single day, whether we're talking about um, what's going on overseas or whether we're talking about our, you know, our southern border or our uh, economy. This guy just it's almost like he does the exact opposite thing every single chance he gets. And I think that's why our country's in the spot that it is in today. Yeah. You've also been very strongly outspoken about the way the justice system has been treating former President Donald Trump. You saw the arraignment this week, which I think a lot of people shook their heads in shame at what they saw. But your thoughts on what we just witnessed, how we might fix it. And then a very important development today when Jim Jordan announced that he's going to subpoena Mark Pomerantz, the former prosecutor who did the lobbying campaign publicly to get Trump. A lot happened in the last five days. I'm sure you had a few moments to absorb it. Your take on what we just saw. Well, I think it's disgraceful. I, I think, you know, again, many of us have seen the downward spiral of this country. It's the only reason I ever even ran for office. John, I never wanted to work in Washington, D.C. I never really wanted to be a congressman. But like I said, as a father and somebody who loves this country, you know, I felt like I had to try to do something about it. 
And I think that, um, you know, the move by uh, Jim Jordan was a solid move. I think that's the type of move that we need to see over and over again by um, our represented uh, officials, especially those that have chairmanships and have, you know, have a lot more authority uh, because we are we are in a drop down drag out fight for this country. And if if Republicans continue to try and act like gentlemen who are just managing the decline of this country, if they don't aren't willing you know, to get down and fight, you know, we're going to lose this country. And, and I know that sounds really pessimistic, but, you know, if you look at the trajectory again of, you know, some of the things that we're talking about today, especially, you know, in the, in these culture wars that we have ignored for a very long time as a party, um, we're losing. And uh, I know a lot of, you know, my optimistic friends will say, Hey, we're winning, um, you know, here and there. But I think overall on a large enough timeline, if you look at the, the, the big picture, we're losing this country. And I mean, John, I know you've been watching some of the, you know, economic things going on around the globe with the uh, collapse of the U.S. dollar and, you know, a lot of a uh, lot of other countries um, that have worked with the U.S. in the past are now starting to shun uh, the dollar and opt to use their own currency or another country's currency. I'm very concerned about that as well. And again, this is all, I think this is all avoidable, but you have to have solid, solid leaders. And we clearly do not have that right now. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It really is a moment of great peril. I want to ask a little bit about the Republicans' performance in elections. There was a pretty serious butt weapon, if I can use that term, in the Wisconsin Supreme Court case. And afterwards, the RNC chairwoman, Ronna McDonald, came out and said, the problem is abortion. We don't know how to message on abortion. But just five months early, a very openly pro-life senator, Ron Johnson, won easily in Wisconsin. Is the RNC blaming the wrong things for what's going on? Or is there a little bit of truth on on both sides of this, but it seems like Democrats have had a better electoral strategy since 2018. Well, you know, that there might be some truth to that, John, but I also don't, you know, and I know that maybe some of your listeners agree with my assessment here and maybe some of them don't, but I don't believe our elections are as uh, transparent and well-run as a lot of people want you to believe they are. And I think that we need to do a much better job tightening up our elections in so many different ways. I think that's a big part of it. And then I think messaging is a big part of it as well. You know, a lot of I, I think I think a lot of Americans just want real, authentic representation and leadership. And oftentimes, as you know, John, because you talk to politicians all the time, that's very rare in this in, in this sector, because it's like everybody's so afraid to say something that's going to offend, you know, somebody else. And this isn't the time for politics. It's not the time for games. It's the time, you know, for straight talk, being real and, and, and being being willing to say something that might cause offense or might mean that you might put your political career in jeopardy. And you, we have to do it because that's where we're at in this country. And we need courage. We just need courage. Anyone who has studied the founding of this country know our founding fathers were not politically correct, but they were politically passionate. And I think we need to be able to speak our minds more freely, not worry about the cancel culture crowd and get the big issues on the table so we can address them. And you can't you can't address them if you can't be honest about them. And I think that you have been in just your short time here in Washington, you you've been fearless in being able to say, listen, let's get what's let's get it on the table. Let's not be afraid to talk about it. One thing you've done, I just saw this the other day. I know it's a local issue. 
I actually think it's a much more important issue. You have been working over the last few weeks to help an Indian tribe in Arizona get recognition and to have their own reservation. This is a bipartisan effort. It's a tribe that has, I think, a really rich story. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing in Tuba City the last couple of weeks. You know, it's interesting, John, because when you do this job, you know, you, you know that there are certain groups of people that vote for you, certain groups of people that typically don't. Um, the Native American um, tribes typically don't vote for Republicans, and most of them didn't vote for me. But you know what I said? I said, I don't really care if you voted for me or not. If I can do something to help you, um, help your community, and I don't have to compromise my values or my principles, I will do it. And uh, the Southern Paiute tribe has been trying to uh, you know, get their own reservation and their own ancestral land for a long time. They actually have a deal. Um, worked out an agreement with the Navajo Nation. And unfortunately, this has never been ratified. And so we dropped a bill this week that would ratify that agreement and finally give them their own reservation. So we're excited about it. We're hoping that, you know, we can work, um, you know, with with the rest of of Congress and um, get this thing through so that they can have their own land. Yeah, such an extraordinary moment. And you're right. This is an example of not acting politically, but acting in the best interest of constituents. And I think a lot of people were really praiseworthy seeing you jump into this and try to get there. One last thing, because I know you're the headliner this year. There is a very special dinner every year. It's been going on for five or six years now, I think, called the Family's First Dinner. It is the way that we recognize the brave U.S. Navy SEALs and their families. I know you're the keynoter. I think it's in Philadelphia this year. Really important to keep on everyone's minds the great sacrifices that Navy SEALs and their families make for America. I know you made it. This is an important night, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the only reason they allowed me to be the headliner was because they couldn't get Crenshaw or Morgan Luttrell. And I think Derek Van Orton was getting a he was getting a perm or something like that. Not true. But, but, but no, I'm honored. I'm honored to be able to go and give back to a community that has given my wife and I so much, and you know, so much of so much of the fight and the you know the team building and the courage that I learned in the SEAL teams you know, I've taken into this new chapter of my life. And, uh, you know, it's it's awesome to be able to give back to, you know, an organization that does so much for the family members um, of our of our Navy SEALs and our special operators. And so I'm honored to be able to uh, be a part of it. Well, I know the special operator community is honored that you were part of it and remain part of it today. It's, it's a great community. I, I don't think most Americans know the sacrifices when you're deployed three, four, five, six, seven, eight times to combat like we asked so many of our special operators the last two decades. But it's an amazing community and it's a great foundation, a great event. And so uh, thank you for once again stepping up to the plate and serving your country as you do, sir. It's a great honor. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you again soon. I hope you have a, a very great Easter this year. Hey, thank you so much, John. We always appreciate the opportunity. God bless you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with a quick conversation about the NRA event next week, the annual meeting in Indianapolis. A lot of Second Amendment victories stacking up. We'll cover that right after these messages. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. 
Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Bite.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Next week, a very big event, one of the most anticipated events in the country for those who care about the Second Amendment, who are sports shooters and constitutional lovers. The annual National Rifle Association meeting will kick off in the great city of Indianapolis. I've been to these many times, in fact, including in Indianapolis, a great venue for this. It comes in an extraordinary moment. Over the last several months, numerous states have adopted permitless carry, or what we call constitutional carry, allowing a person to carry their weapon without having to get an expensive permit or or go through restrictions. For the first time in my lifetime, America is a majority constitutional carry country. The 26th state came in this week with Florida. The 27th state is right around the corner with Nebraska. So I thought we'd kick things off by talking to one of our good friends at the National Rifle Association, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Willis Lee. Willis, great to have you on the show. John, I'm always glad to be here. And uh, I appreciate you mentioning our annual meeting next week in Indianapolis. Look, activity starts on Wednesday, but on Friday, our exhibit hall opens with 14 acres of guns and gear, everything outdoors and everything firearms. We're expecting 70 to 80,000 patriots to come through those doors over the three days. Uh, And it's exciting. And it's a celebration of freedom. And a lot of that's going to come and we will be celebrating Florida becoming the 26th constitutional carry state. It's an incredible, incredible effort that we put in the last two decades to get to this point. Bottom line, though, is folks are recognizing that gun control is racist and it's class warfare. So anytime you're going to put a fee, anytime you're going to charge people or keep people from exercising their Second Amendment rights, uh, that's that's racist and it's class warfare. So uh, prohibited people still are prohibited. But the rest of us, as you said, can protect ourselves and our families. Yeah, it's such an important moment. And this movement for constitutional carry has accelerated faster than any other legislative movement I've seen in my 30 years as a journalist. Obviously, a lot of parents' rights things are popping up, but constitutional carry quicker, faster. By the end of this month, we'll most likely have 27 states having passed it, the majority of them in the last year. What do you think is driving it? And what is the long-term 
opportunity here for Second Amendment advocates, for gun owners, to make sure that another generation and many generations ahead can enjoy the same rights that we've had since the founding of this great country? That's a great question. The blue states are going to continue to try and fight against this. But the bottom line is America watched years, a year, certainly a year of riots and arson and looting. And they decided that they need to be able to exercise their Second Amendment rights. And excuse me, this is allergy stuff. Uh, And if it's not, not everybody wants to do that, they recognize the right to do so. So the next one up, we believe, is Nebraska, and they're close, although we lost this by one vote last year. They have a bicameral legislature, so they have one more legislative vote, and then it'll go to the governor. We believe they're going to come in. South Carolina is teed up. Their House uh, has a really good bill. The Senate wants to make amendments. The NRA doesn't support those Senate amendments. We want them to pass the House bill. Uh, and they will be number 28. Uh, the, the nation is going in that direction. And that's that's all it is. Yeah, it's a really extraordinary moment in history. And uh, a few years ago, I don't think as many people could imagine how quickly the constitutional carry movement would catch fire. And I think for all of those who care about the Constitution, this is a great moment. And there is, as this goes on, and you mentioned the blue states, but there's also a blue administration in Washington. Joe Biden is doing most everything he can to constrain the sale of weapons. He's honest about it. He says that's what he wants to do. The ATF is the leading edge of that. They had recently this unlawful pistol brace rule. 25 states have already sued. But Speaker McCarthy, I think, has a unique opportunity. There's going to be the litigation. The Second Amendment lobby has won almost every major litigation in the last decade. But in the Congress, it seems like Speaker McCarthy has a plan to restrain the powers that the ATF is usurping that Congress has never given them. Tell us what's going on there and what we should be watching for. Yeah, I will, John. But l- let me preface this with the, the New York, the NRA's case in New York, New York State Rifle and Pistol versus Broom made a huge difference in this. So we're seeing unconstitutional laws fall all across the nation uh, because of that case. Tie that into the ATF, and it's bigger than just the ATF. We need to, in America, stop bureaucratic rules with the effect of law from coming out of these agencies that have no business putting effectively laws into place. At the same time, government spending is out of control. So Congress holds the purse strings. McCarthy can make a difference in that. We need to grow our pro-Second Amendment group in the House. But what it comes down to is Biden can't get unconstitutional legislation through Congress. So he's trying to use the Department of Justice to get the ATF to harass the law-abiding firearms community folks, uh, FFLs, uh, firearms owners. It's right now they're going to lose their fights. Unfortunately, it is an expensive process for us to take our rights back and for us to end this ATF overreach effectively in tyranny. Yeah, it is the process that sometimes is the punishment because you end up spending so much money to defend something that time and again, the courts continue to affirm. And at some point, it'll be interesting to see whether some of these states that are continuing to fly in the face of the Supreme Court's mandates or the Supreme Court's precedents are forced to pay those who have to fight to get their rights back. But while that's going on, you're right, ATF is sitting there using executive fiat to try to take away or chip away at these rights. Do you feel confident that House Republicans and Kevin McCarthy have a plan to maybe use the power of the purse, the budget process, to rein in that agency? Yeah, absolutely. And not just that agency, but others who are right now unconstitutionally targeting 
folks who support the Second Amendment or have anything to do with the firearms industry. So I am confident now. I believe McCarthy thoroughly understands what the issues are and the problems. And as I said before, this is bigger than just the Second Amendment and just the NRA. We're seeing this across America right now. Uh, We have the NRA launched a First Amendment lawsuit against the state of New York. This is an amazing story. It's incredible. The the government, Cuomo and Vulo, sent out a memo to banks and insurance agencies saying, look, you know, it won't look good for you guys i.e. threatening them, if you do business with the NRA or Second Amendment uh, organizations. 18 Republican attorneys generals have signed on to an amicus brief, but the most interesting one is the ACLU supports our position. And we know that's not because it's the NRA. It's not because they love us, but they understand the right of freedom of speech and to shut down an organization, any organization, government or not, because they're exercising their First Amendment rights should clearly be seen as unconstitutional. So we're taking that First Amendment case to the Supreme Court. One of the things that makes odd bedfellow cases like this, and I've seen it over my career, is the realization that the very tactic that might now be used against a conservative organization could just as easily be turned around and restrain someone in a liberal organization, again, trying to exercise the same rights. That's why justice and rights should always be treated with blindness. We should all recognize them regardless of political affiliation. Do you think that this is an awakening moment? For much of the last four or five years, there hasn't been much bipartisanship on any issues. But in the last few months, whether it's been China in Congress, where all of a sudden Democrats with Nancy Pelosi's thumb off them are beginning to engage on the issues. And it seems like some of the civil liberties groups, which allowed a little bit of the censorship and First Amendment cancel culture stuff to go on, they're starting to wake back up and go back to their traditional roles of defending rights. Is this one of those moments where the NRA and ACLU together are fighting for something that is is bigger than each of their interests? This has to be. But as you know now, that with the country as polarized as it is, the ACLU didn't have to jump in. There's a lot of situations that are offensive that they should jump in and they just stay silent. This one is so big that they jumped on very early in the process to let the courts know that even on the left, they support freedom of speech. Yeah, that's such a powerful statement. And the form of cancel culture here, we've seen it in the private sector with big tech. We've seen it in other places. But here it's the regulatory authority of a state and the government trying to intimidate people from doing business with a certain class of businesses or certain class of people who, by the way, are protected by, in this case, the First and the Second Amendment, the top two amendments in the in the Bill of Rights. This could be really a case that is bigger than even the free speech rights of Second Amendment advocates. It probably is a warning sign to all administrative states that you can't use your administrative power to infringe the great liberties our founding fathers gave us. This has big ramifications downstream, doesn't it? It it absolutely does. And it's across the board. But I'll tell you, one of the things you and I, John, we live in the bubble of Washington, D.C. I've recently returned from Montana. I did a friend's dinner out there. And then I went to Portland to do a GOP event. Outside of this bubble in D.C., great Americans are doing great things every day. These aren't the issues they're worried about. They're taking their children to soccer games. They're trying to pay off their mortgages. You know, we have to continue this fight to make sure America stays free, gets more free, 
and continues that trend for future generations. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt about it. Well, so I'm going to look ahead and ask you about this because a lot of people I've been talking to in the last few months see this as the next evolution of constitutional carry. So the legislatures have all passed laws. That's a really big moment and, and I think have done it at a speed and a breath that no one could imagine a few years ago. And the NRA has been a driving force for it and, and so important in it. The next step would be, well, hey, sometimes legislatures bounce back and forth between the parties. Should constitutional carry eventually be enshrined in the Constitution, sort of create a Second Amendment enshrinement in constitutions to make sure that some future generation of lawmakers don't change their mind on something so important? No, absolutely. Actually, I, I think that would be more if fed on a federal basis of legislate, legislation because it's already enshrined in the Constitution or in the Bill of Rights with the Second Amendment. So that's already there. It's just been chipped away through years and years, maybe 1934 and even before that. Uh, we're getting those rights back that are already enshrined in the Second Amendment. And, and again, it's not a right given to us. The Second Amendment is prohibiting the government from taking that God-given right that we have of self-defense. So that's what we see. And we, we see this trend going across America and, and it is important for our freedoms and the safety of our families. Yeah, it's a remarkable moment in history. One more important litigation, obviously, the pistol brace rule at ATF, one of the many examples of the ATF using the executive power or executive fiat to do what Congress hasn't done. That one is an important one. There's also, I think, an effort going on in Kansas to get a Democratic governor, Governor Kelly, to sign Senate Bill 116, which would adopt the provisions that would, you know, reduce permit fees because the permit fees are pretty high in Kansas. Tell us why those are two really important initiatives to get accomplished in 2023. The permit fees, and and as we discussed, anytime you put a fee, you put uh, a cost for for required training or doubling the times you got to go to your police chief to get permission to get a, a firearm. It's class warfare. They're charging people. Obviously, the rich can afford this, but the folks who most need to be able to defend themselves and their families, they can't afford those types of fees and taxes. So it becomes effectively class warfare and it's racist in nature. So across the board, what Kansas is doing is a great idea. We're seeing a lot of other states do that also. Yeah. And it's very interesting in the last couple of years, it's endemic even in this conversation today. Traditionally, when you talk about gun rights, we really haven't talked about the issue of race or poverty or social status, economic status. But really, that's become a very important part of the NRA's concern, right? They are worried that a lot of this regulatory fiat actually disproportionately hurts people who are in high crime areas who may not have high incomes and also not have access to lawyers and things like that. This is sort of a newer focus, and it seems like it's really catching a lot of energy in communities around America. Am I picking that up right, that this is sort of a new concern, or not new concern, but an important concern added to the Second Amendment fight? Well, it's absolutely important. And and NRA began 152 years ago as a marksmanship organization, but we we are the longest standing and largest civil rights organization in the nation. And that's because we recognize the right of all law-abiding citizens to exercise their Second Amendment rights. And we've done so continuously throughout this fight, even as we saw the effects of the Civil War and the Jim Crow laws that were put into effect to stop effectively stop blacks from having firearms. The NRA has stood up against that and fought those battles. So this has been a long time going on. Folks are just now waking up to this as they see their need to protect themselves and their families. But the NRA has been in this fight for 150 years. 
It has and consistently been there. You'll be having this great meeting in Indianapolis. And, and I, I've noticed something myself over the years as I've gone to the range. Probably when I started in the 80s, it was mostly all guys and you know occasional women there, but mostly all guys. And I look now and I see so many young people. I see so many women. I see so many recent veterans, retired veterans who are now moving into the civilian life. It seems as though the shooting sports and the Second Amendment movement has become so diversified and a new generation of young people are getting engaged. I know you have an army of trainers, like 80, 90,000 people that do safety, firearm safety training all year. Are you seeing a new generation and a diversification of the shooting sports? Across the board, and it's not just male, female, men, uh, women, old, young, uh, all of what we would call minorities have jumped in here. Now, I'm also the chairman of the NRA Outreach Committee. We don't consider women a minority in this in this movement anymore. They are mainstream and the industry's adapted to that. Women are concerned about their families and their own uh, defense. So they've come to the forefront. As we've seen all these riots and crime exploding, I'll give you the south side of Chicago as an example, we've seen more minorities come forward wanting to have firearms and train and learn how to protect themselves. With the Asian hate we've seen across the nation, we've seen that. Jewish hate, we've seen more of that. All of these people are coming to recognize the importance of the Second Amendment and their ability to exercise their rights. Yeah, that's a powerful moment. And it's just so interesting to see in Indianapolis next week, what will be some of the big issues? What will be the rank and file? you got 80,000 people. It's just stunning. It's like the size of a Super Bowl crowd. They're all coming through. What are some of the most important issues for people that will be attending next week, both from a consumer perspective and, of course, from a legislative or political perspective? All the exhibitors will be there, 14 acres of vendors and exhibitors at our exhibit hall. But one of the highlights is our Friday afternoon ILA Forum, the Institute for Legislative Action. All of the, the top candidates or who we think are going to be candidates for president in a year are going to be on our stage. That's going to be a huge time for our members to be able to see the candidates out there and hear their uh, positions on the Second Amendment. Trump will be there. DeSantis will be there. Nikki Haley. I, the, the whole gamut across the screen, they're all going to come in. Yeah. Uh, that's an amazing thing. That's one thing you do see at the top of the Republican Party. There is unanimity when it comes to protecting the First and Second Amendment, and that'll be on full full display. Well, it's always an honor to have you on. Thank you for your amazing service to your country in the armed forces and now in the service of our great civil liberties, the First and Second Amendment being so important to all of us. Great to catch up. I can't wait to get a post-action report from Indianapolis. We'll get you back on after the annual conference. Celebration of freedom, John. We're glad to be there. Yeah, you guys are going to be the big party for freedom in next week. It's going to be very exciting to see. Great to have you on, my friend. Have a happy Easter. We'll talk to you real soon. Happy Easter. Thanks, John. Thank you, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back to wrap things up right after these messages. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being part of the Justin News community, the John Solomon Reports listenership. I am humbled every day that you tune in, dial in, and make a few moments of your time available for our content, our shows, our discussions, our conversations, our guests. You get really great guests like we had today, Congressman Crane, Willis Lee, two American heroes who've served the country, but two champions of freedom, two champions of the Second Amendment two champions of common sense, and you get straight talk from them, right? You don't get the gobbledygook on the role that America is losing on the world stage. You don't get a spin on the Afghan withdrawal or the Chinese balloon. You get the truth. You also get the truth about what the Constitution means, why the Second Amendment is so absolute as a right, just like the First Amendment is. And you also get some interesting little tidbits like, oh, my God, the NRA and the ACLU, they're together on a lawsuit protecting free speech in America. That's what we, why we do what we do here every day. Now, some of you asked me overnight, got some messages. Hey, John, can you remind us one more time? How do we get involved with the fight against to protect our gas stoves, our gas appliances, our gas heaters, our gas dryers, our gas stoves, our gas grills? Well, as I told you, our good friends and partners at the U.S. Oil and Gas Association have launched a website and a membership group, just 12 bucks a year, a buck a month, to be a rebel and to stand up to the United States government, to stand up to the local government's Boston jumped in on this just this week. Boston, San Francisco, there's like 70 communities in California alone that are trying to get rid of natural gas appliances. Well, you go to handsoffmystove.com. Handsoffmystove.com. Listen, for 12 bucks, you get to be a rebel. You get to say, I stood up to fight for yours and mine, my neighbors and everyone else I know's gas stove. I like to cook on gas. Natural gas is cleaner than most of the energy sources we've used over the years in our country. Don't take it from us. Don't get rid of my gas grill. Don't get rid of my gas water heater, my gas furnace. Let me burn natural gas. How do you do that? Go to handsoffmystove.com. U.S. Oil National Gas Association, Tim Stewart, created a special site. You get intelligence, a chance to be organized and use your grassroots powers, the power of the people to let the government know from federal down to local and state and everything in between. You're not going to get in the way of me cooking on my gas stoves or prevent my next new home that I build or buy from having that gas appliances in it. Hands off my stove. That's where you go for that. All of you asked me and I want to make sure I delivered. And then again, I want to shout out one of our other partners. I'm really big fans of Cardi and Company. We all in this moment of great economic turmoil want to find the best decisions for us. Economic decisions that make our bottom line as good as it can be in the markets that we are in, that also reflect our financial objections and our values, our risk tolerance. Those are all things that go into financial decisions, right? What's my risk tolerance? What are my financial objectives? What are my values? How do I make sure that my portfolio matches that? Well, my good friends at Cardi and Company are there. They're a family-operated, nationally-recognized fixed-income investment firm with more than 50 years of experience. They're licensed in all 50 states. They have expertise serving both individual and institutional investors. Cardi and Company has expertise in tax-exempt bonds, something that's very interesting in this current moment. 
Interest income on municipal bonds is generally exempt from federal taxes and sometimes from state and local taxes, too. So there's no ongoing annual fee for anyone who joins the Guardian Company. Family becomes a client, becomes a partner. There's a one-time commission fee for the purchase. Guardian Company also actively helps local governments borrow funds to improve their community. So you're going to make your community better while perhaps improving your financial portfolio. This is usually for people who want to make an investment of 5000 bucks or up. But it's in a great group of people, a great team. They put power in your hands because they give you knowledge. They take your risk tolerance, your financial objectives, your values. They put them together and come up with a plan for you. To get started, if this is appealing to you, go visit my friends at CartyandCompany.com. How do you do that? CartyCo.com. Go to CartyCo.com. That's C-A-R-T-Y-C-O.com. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you for listening. God bless you. God bless this great country. We'll be back on Friday with another special edition. In fact, tomorrow we have a special on the clean energy bill that passed Congress. Unique interviews with Congressman Graves, Speaker Kevin McCarthy, my good friend Rich Powell, one of the great minds in all of the clean energy world. We're going to play that for you tomorrow uh, on Good Friday as we head into the Easter week and the Passover weekend. All right. Until then, God bless you. Have a great night. God bless this great country of the United States. Be sure to go to justthenews.com if you need that news fix. We got you covered 24-7. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.